0: I say it a lot, but I'm so thankful his word is timeless. His word does not change. Everything else around us is always changing. Right? Look at technology. Look at how technology, it's going so fast. I think we've entered a more rapid pace. Anybody feel like that? Like it's starting to get faster. It's starting to hit that place now where, I mean... Elon Musk warned some time ago that AI was already alive. He's a pretty smart guy, considering he went from zero to the richest man in the world. Uh and he said of some of the technology that he created, warned the governments to be careful because it has its own living being to it. It's the world we're we're heading into. And uh and that's you know, that's its own thing. Technology is going to be uh, its own thing. It's going to keep progressing and keep changing, and people are going to keep adapting their lives to it. But no matter what happens, God is always God. His Word is always His Word. It doesn't matter what changes. It doesn't matter how things are changing. and It doesn't matter if the enemy uh, is trying to make everything so chaotic, so different, so weird. Ultimately, he's just going to make things so weird, you're not going to be able to tell what's right and wrong. That's what's happening, so that you are, you you get confused. That's what he does. He brings confusion, all right? So, uh, but the word is the word. In fact, let's just turn here. Uh, we've been springing from Philippians, and I've been just I picked just a few verses that I've put together as one thought, and we've been building off of that. Now this will be week three, and uh, I named these this little mini sermon series "Don't Fret," and each week had a little subtitle. And this week is "Don't Fret, Keep On, Keep It On." Everybody say "Keep On, Keep On." All right, and so let's look together in his word, Philippians 1, uh, verse 6, and I'm certain that God, who began the good work within us, he will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns, and then I want to look here in verse 12. He goes on to say, everything that's happened to me, this is Paul telling them about his His time that we looked at this last week, I'm not going to go into Paul's whole story, but I just want to review that he was in chains, he said, and it's actually, he said, it's been helping to spread the good news. Verse 13, and the palace guard, they recognize that I'm in these chains because of Christ. In verse 14, that the believers have actually gained confidence because of what I'm going through and because of these chains. And then he goes into chapter 3. He says, verse 1, he says, uh, a lot of translations say something like finally or further, building upon chapter 2, but I love how the NLT translates verse 1. It says, whatever happens, which I think is awesome, and I think it's really God's word for right now. Whatever happens, whatever you're going through, whatever the situation, the situation is irrelevant. God is still God. Amen. Amen. And so whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, I've recognized the key here. He's telling them, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says he's doing this to safeguard their faith. And then he gets into chapter 4, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Classic, verse 6. So he's building all this through Philippians. So he finally says this. He says, so do not fret. Everybody say, do not fret. fret. He says, do not fret, verse 6. Or Have any anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance. Everybody say, every circumstance. Everybody say, in everything. Right? So he's telling them it doesn't matter what happens, what it is, do not fret, do not have anxiety, in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer, And petition. There's two types of prayers, right? Some prayer is just coming into God's presence, it's just loving Him, it's praising Him, it's it's just talking to Him, and then there's the part of prayer where we actually start making some requests to Him. Doesn't mean He's going to answer all of them immediately, but we bring those requests to Him, and it tells us to do it with thanksgiving and to continue to do it, on and on. And then the Bible promises us this. It says in the New King James... In verse seven, it says, "In verse seven, that there is a peace that comes if we will do this." Because remember, he's tra- he's starting in chapter one. He started telling them, "Listen, God started it. God's gonna finish it." And I've realized something. I've realized that I'm just gonna put it all in God's hands. I'm gonna trust in Him. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna worry. I'm not gonna fear. I'm not gonna fret. And when I got to that place, even in chains. I entered this place of peace, and we're all jealous of what Paul had. We all want this, don't we? This is a good jealousy. This is the jealousy we want. We want to be jealous of what he has, and we want to attain this. I want this peace, he said, that surpasses. Everybody say, it surpasses. See, understanding is really a stumbling block. There's biblical understanding that we read about in Proverbs and in the Psalms, a supernatural understanding we can read about as a gift of the Holy Spirit, and there is an understanding here that he's talking about, which is earthly and natural. This understanding examines your circumstances. It examines the situation. It examines this argument that's happening right now, and your mind responds with how to uh, deal with this time, this, this place in your life, and and does it in a natural way. But God gives you a special peace. He gives you something that goes above and beyond that natural place. Because the natural says, you know, this is how I must deal with what's going on right now. This is how I have to respond. And God actually says, no, don't respond that way. Don't handle it that way. It's completely opposite of how the world is handling and responding it, responding to it. And it doesn't make sense. It's something above and beyond. It has surpassed. It's a greater understanding. And the Bible says that, that when you get to this place, there is a protection. Everybody say, I want the protection of Jesus Christ over my heart and mind. Right? Who wants your heart and mind protected by the Lord? It tells us how to do it right here in the word. And then he says, verse 12, he says in the NLT, this is all connected. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And this same God, verse 19, who takes care of me, will supply all of your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I've been springing from that chunk of Scripture, chunk uh, in Philippians, from chapter 1, chapter 4, just some some of the highlights of those four chapters and it's giving us this incredible picture who's encouraged just hearing those verses read gives us this incredible picture see when paul's writing he's not just telling you something he's writing from experience he's saying this is what i've experienced and last week we went through how he when he did it he was physically in chains he wrote this while he was actually unjustly captive right but he found this place in God where it was beyond the natural, beyond his understanding, and actually what he saw was God is actually using this. He's taken me to places that no one else can go. He's, I am literally being taken around. You know, Jews and Romans, they didn't get along, all right? And, and here's this Jewish guy being taken around into Roman places, meeting with kings meeting with governors i mean the lord was using it and paul recognizes this and when he recognized it he settled it he came to peace with it and actually and he writes all i mean i mean you go through his letters he mentions chains a lot he's writing so much from this place so much of his greatest understanding came out of the time where he was uh in chains so i want to just make some statements and i want us to get these for week three here that god's going to finish his work I know that this is a broken record, but I think you should probably tell yourself that every single day. God's going to finish what he started. And in the meantime, which, you know, I love talking about the meantime, right? In the meantime, it's a meantime in the meantime. (laughs) In the meantime, embrace the obstacles and ups and downs. We really have to come to the place where we embrace where we're at. You have to embrace it. Sometimes all the praying, all the shaking, you can fast and you can pray and you're not going to get yourself out of that situation. What you need to do is learn to embrace it and find peace in God. Thank him and praise him and love him. Now, I want to give you this promise and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I said this last week, there comes a time where there's a suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly. So we need to learn to embrace those obstacles, those ups and downs, because you can try to shake it, you can try to push it away, and the Lord is actually looking for you to have a peace in that place. He's looking for you to come to the place where you actually, it's not that we don't ask Him and don't pray. I'm Right, Dan? Just the opposite. We keep praying, but there is a peace We must come to a place of peace that until it changes, we are holding on to this. This is why I started to say, one day he said, I will wipe away every tear. Listen, you start to focus on that. One day he has promised us he's going to roll this existence up like a scroll. I mean, everything that you see and know is going to be gone forever. And there will be a a new heaven and a new earth, a new body. I mean, just wow. Wow. And by doing that, you come to this place of peace that if I, if I don't sense earthly peace right now, that's okay, because I have a heavenly peace that does not change. And I love times of earthly peace and heavenly peace lining up, but if I don't have the earthly peace I desire, then I have to have heavenly peace. And so I really feel from the Lord, we need to learn to embrace what you're going through, and we're going to get into this today because the Lord's using it. So keep praying, keep thanking God, and there's a greater peace than the world can give. And finally, I want you to get this, is that Christ will give you strength to do whatever is set before you. And that's what he said, I've learned the secret. So if it's a good time, He says, I had everything. You know, Christ was still there, but we're a little less aware of him, right? Our prayer is a little bit different when it's a good time. When it's a hard time, we pray differently. It's just the truth. It's just reality. That's human nature, right? Um, But we need to know that if it's a hard time, the Lord was with us before, whether you acknowledged him or praised him, you should have, We all should have, whether we did or didn't. He didn't suddenly come on the scene because now it's a hard time. But what I want you to know is that he is with us. He is with you. So if you're going through it, you are not alone. I know that's like this is Christianity 101 here, but I, I think we need to just hear it again. I'm not alone. Christ is with me. And the devil wants to ostracize you. He wants to make you feel alone. Because even though you're not alone, he's looking to try to pick you off, See, right? You can, everybody's seen Animal Planet, right? They go for the weak, they, they want to get you away, they want get to the, get you weak and get you separated from the group so that you're easy to pick off. So what he wants to do in your brain is he's going to try to make you alone and suddenly you're not listening to your Christian friends, right? You know they used to be able to to help you and encourage you with verses. You start shutting out people. You know you think they they can't help you, the word can't help you, the church can't help me, and suddenly now you really are alone. He started with a lie and told you you were alone. You weren't. What really can try to get you this place where you really are alone? And then it's it's not that Christ has forsaken you, but now you don't have the protection, and it's. Uh, a place that is ultimately is going to be dangerous for you. He still loves you. He's faithful to you. But that's not the place we want to be in, right? So it is a lie that you are alone. Christ will give you the strength to do. He'll give you the strength to get back from there to here as well. And He's putting people around you to bring you back. Amen. So I want to go into, for the, the rest of the sermon, I want to go back into Joseph here. And we're just going to look at some things about his life that I began to start last week. I'm going to bring some more things to a a fullness and some other things. I'm going to uh, touch some new topics. I want to say this. Joseph's life. The Bible says this. Genesis 37. Genesis 37 verse 2. When Joseph was 17 years old. It says in verse 2, verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, or you may know it as the robe of many colors. And it says in uh, verse 4, That his brothers hated him because their father loved him more than the rest of them and they couldn't say a kind word to him. And verse 5 says, one night Joseph had a dream. Now, uh, I want to make some statements here. It all started with a dream. Everybody say, it all started with a dream. When we come to the Lord even, when we come to the Lord... There is a dream within you. There is a desire for better. Anybody come to the Lord for with a desire for worse. Right? We come to the Lord with a desire for better. It's just it's nothing that we should be ashamed of. We want better. I want a better life. It doesn't mean that you're like Lord give me a mansion and and uh, give me all the stuff. Some people look to the Lord like he's a genie in a bottle. Uh, And that's between them and the Lord. But we come to the Lord ultimately because I realize, recognize that my life is dirty, it's broken, it's desperate without you, and I need you. And then what happens is, as we come to him, uh, you came to him with baggage, and you came to him with a life that you already had. You were born into a sin-filled world, right? Who brought stuff to God? And now what we're supposed to do, it's very simple, is just give it to him, right? It's so simple. We just give it to him, and he gives us his life. But it's so hard because the world has had such a tight grip on us, and now the Lord needs to get that stuff out of us, and he's going to get himself into us. And so what happens is, is it started with a dream And the Bible, fast forward to where we're going to be in a few minutes, and it ended with a dream. I want to say this. You don't know who you are. I just want you to confess. I don't know who I am. I think it's very dangerous that everybody is trying to find out what your dream is and how to make your dream come true. It's very dangerous because you have no idea who you are, And the dream that the Lord has put in you, even though you have an awareness that there's something in you that God has for you and to use you for, the danger is that if you try to facilitate that and make that happen is you're going to end up somewhere weird. And to fast forward here into the story of Joseph, because we all know the story, that if Joseph tried to make it happen himself, at best, I could see him ruling over 11 brothers. At best he would have ruled over 11 brothers. At worst, he would have, you know, finally pushed them to the point where they just kill him. You know, we know the story. They're going to kill him, and they sell him into slavery, but I think that at best, he would have been the ruler over 11 brothers. So just because you have a dream doesn't mean that it's for you to try to make something happen and Uh, And and that's as simple as not. I'm not talking about a dream like I want to be a preacher for the Lord. I want to go be, you know, um, somebody that goes out and and feeds the poor for the Lord. That's not the dream I'm talking about. I'm talking about even just the simplest dream of all, which is, Lord, I want to come to you and I want you to make my life better. What we do is we say, Lord, I want you to make my life better. And then we try to help him do that. And this is the thing. I want you to hear this. Your dream must be sown to God. You actually have to take your dream, all your dreams. This is all your desires, all your plans, all your purposes. Because here's the thing. If it's from God, the Bible says that our works in heaven... Come on, who knows the verses where I'm heading? The things you do on the earth, it says that if they were for the Lord, they will be tested with fire, and if they survive they were the Lord's. If they burn, they were your works. So here's, if you have a dream that is truly from God and you are willing to sow it to God and say, I don't care to ever have a name, to ever... Do anything that anybody ever says, good job. Anybody ever gives me recognition. I don't need to be loved. I don't need to be recognized. In fact, I'm willing to be spit on. I'm willing to be abused because, Jesus, that's the example you led to, to follow you. I'm willing to follow you with the worst life possible ahead of me, even though we don't want this. Again, I'm saying, we're still right, Dan, we're still praying and we're believing. I'm still bringing my request to him, but I am willing to sow my life, in the pl- in the way that I'm expecting the worst, but I'm hoping for the best, right? And by doing that, it goes into the ground. And you know the picture Joseph literally was loved by the father. He was separated away from his brothers. He was given a special coat of all these colors. It's probably pretty expensive to do that back then coat of many colors, and the Bible says that his brothers came in jealousy, and the Bible says they tore it from him. They ripped it from him. Now, because I'm preaching to Christians, you guys know the end of the story. The Bible says very clearly, and I talked about this last week, he said to his brothers, you thought you did this to me, but God did this. God allowed this actually for your benefit and for the world's benefit for that matter. He saved millions of people's lives because of this. But in the moment, it was ripped from him, and the picture is that Joseph went from being loved by the Father, he goes down, down, down. He actually goes to the lowest place you could get to in Egypt, which was the dungeon, right? The Bible says, he's the, the scriptures say he said that my hands and my feet they hurt with chains i think it's in psalms 105 right he says his feet and his hands hurt with chains he went to the lowest place possible but you know what happened his dream went down into the ground and it died and when the time is right if it was from the Lord. If the things inside you, you know, you might think my dream is to sing. I'm just going to go sing, right? And then people become like Beyonce's who are not using their gifts for the Lord, are they? Right? At all. I mean, they're like boldly put Illuminati right in their songs, you know, like that's their big thing, Jay-Z's logo, right? His, her husband is the Illuminati logo. So they were like blatantly bold about it, like it's a big joke. We're the Illuminati. Big funny thing. So if your dream, if the things inside you, if you begin to fashion and work these gifts and things inside you with your ability, you can make yourself something. You can even become great in the world's eyes. But it does not mean that it was God. But now if you are willing to sow it into the Lord and you say, Lord, just whatever you have in my life, if we're going to truly say what he said in Philippians, whatever comes, whatever happens, whatever I go through, if you truly say that to the Lord, I promise you from the word of God and by proof, because I have character after character after character, proof that in time, If it was the Lord, he'll begin to bring that thing back out of the ground, right? Because the seed has to go into the ground. It dies, and then something begins to sprout. But all the other junk and contaminants and all the other stuff that's attached to it stays in the ground. And it becomes something totally different, doesn't it? The plant and the seed, do they look alike? But all you can understand is the seed. You cannot possibly understand the plant, or for that matter, the point of the plant is the what? The fruit. How could you possibly understand that it has to be grown by the Lord? And this is what I want us to see, that God will cause that growth. He'll bring it up. Only God can take you from that pit to the palace. That's an old Christian term, but I'm bringing it back today. Only God can take you from the pit. And place you in the palace. If you try to get yourself there or try to fulfill some dream inside you, you will mess it up. The dream that set Joseph up was actually someone else's dream. I thought this was so amazing. I began to look at this and I was like, wow. The dream that actually placed Joseph in power wasn't his dream, his dreams had already died. He had already, he had learned to serve Potiphar, and now he's serving in the dungeon, and the dream that brings him and places him in in position is someone else's dream. Joseph learned to be selfless. He learned to work for another's dream. He prospered because he gave himself wholeheartedly into anything he did. I want to read here the Bible says that he has this dream. And then it says that there's another dream, right, by the by the uh, cupbearer, right, and the baker. And then finally, there's a there's a final dream. And we're going to read here in chapter 41. I just want to read some verses. It says. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. I wanted to encourage you with this again, because I want to just look for a few minutes, but I want to say this first. I'm going to look for a few minutes of what God's doing in the meantime, but I want to encourage you with this. Everybody ready to be encouraged first, and then we're going to talk about the meantime during the meantime, all right? I'm going to do that on purpose. Because I want you to look at this from a place of encouragement. I want you to say, at once. And I want you to say, quickly. See, because in the right time, at the right place, the Bible says, chapter 41, verse 14, at once, his life went from zero to hero. Instantly, in an instant, he was quickly brought from prison, he was shaved. They changed his clothes. He went in and stood before Pharaoh. Verse 37 says that Joseph's suggestions were well received uh, by Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed, this verse 39, this meaning to the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. He says, verse 40, you will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a higher rank than yours. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, and he placed it on Joseph's finger. Now, this is what's so special here. He got his garments back. Verse 42, He dressed him in the fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. You know, I picture, I know this is not accurate. You know that new fashion that's like coming back from the 90s, and I think it's even from the 70s, right? Because everything goes like that. It's like this fabric the kids will know they're like weaved with all these stripes of color like they're like these weave fabrics but they're really rough it's like the style so you have to wear them even though they're not comfortable that's how fashion is I, I just picture the coat he gave him you know out there in like the wild it was probably expensive and to make the dye and all the stuff but it, I was picturing this kind of like a little bit uncomfortable like very special gift from his dad but maybe not the like most comfortable thing to wear maybe it looked good but then, who has who's ever had Egyptian linens right? who likes egyptian Egyptian sheets? <laughs> the softest right? your sheets have to be Egyptian right because that's the only way to sleep but here's here he is now, and it's like like literally to this day, thousands of years later, Egypt is famous for their for their cloth here, right for the softness right, and for the comfort, and the point is that. What was once torn away from him is now put on, and even with more royalty, it comes with a gold chain around his neck. And then, verse 43, he puts him in a chariot reserved for his second in command, and wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. So all of Egypt, all the slaves in Egypt, and all the royals, I mean everybody... Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt, and Pharaoh said to him, I'm Pharaoh, but no one will lift a hand or foot in the entire land of Egypt without your approval. Then Pharaoh gave Joseph a new Egyptian name, verse 45, and he gave him a wife. And then it says this, in verse 46, He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, so it had been 13 years since he was ripped away from his father's home. So 13 years later. But this is what it says about the 13 years. That's why I love this so much. When I read this, I'm just so encouraged by the Lord. 13 years is a long time, right? It becomes shorter and shorter. The older you get, you're like, 13 years ago, that was yesterday. But when you're actually living day to day, in 13 years of your life, there's a lot that can go on, right? You can go through seasons. You go through months and years of heartache sometimes. And 13 years is a long journey. And this is what it says, verse 46. It says that he became suddenly 30 years old. Now he's there, and he's serving Pharaoh. Verse 50, during this time before the first of the famine, two sons were born to him. And it says in verse 51, he named his older son Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget. Everybody say God Has made me forget all my troubles. Now I'm going to talk for the next 10 minutes about his troubles. So, for a season, your troubles are there to fuel you and to serve you. They are serving a purpose. But ultimately, God will take the dross, that's the gold, right? You go through a heating process. We go through a process where there's a purifying process. And there's a lot of junk in there that you are well aware of. And you feel the heat. You feel the pressure. It's not, it's not irrelevant. But suddenly, when God places you, when you've come through the other side of your trial, whatever that is, when you get to the other side, you have to go through here to get to there. There is no shortcut. That's what I really felt like from the Lord. I needed to make a point. There is no easy button. Remember those commercials, the easy button? There is no shortcut. There is only the way. God has a way to get us from being here in our broken, dirty, worthless place and elevating us into the place and position that he has called us to be as believers. There's only one way, and that's his way. There is no shortcut. But this is what it says. When you get there, when you get to that place, he made me forget all my troubles and everyone in my father's family, and that's what, he didn't made them, he didn't forget his father. He's saying the the misery and the bitterness, the envies, the jealousies, all that is gone. And he said, and Joseph named his second son Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. It's so special. Who loves Joseph and loves his story? The point is, for Joseph, what I want to get to today, because, you know, we're always, I'm always racing against that clock, and then uh, we'll get more into it, but I want to say just a few things. God is preparing you for something great. Say, God is preparing me for something great. That's not prideful to say that, Because it's not you anyway. When you get there, it won't be the dream you had anyway. (laughs) So there's no pride in it. So I can say that boldly and from a pride from the Lord. God's preparing me for something great. But that's his greatness. Because if I try to get myself there, I just mess it up. The Lord's going to have to do it. And, you know, even when Joseph tried to do it, he tried to get himself two years early. It didn't work, did it? He's like, I got a plan here. Two years in advance, I'm going to get out. This is finally 11 years. That's long enough. Lord, I'm going to let you know that my trial is over now. I've been doing this for 11 years. I'm done. Two more years later, the Lord set the time. So I want you to hear that first, and you say it in your spirit, that God is preparing us. And I'm going to say this. God is always preparing us for the season ahead. You know, actually, you know, God even prepares us, right, Rick? This miracle just happened to you this week. He even prepares us the day before, sometimes even the morning of for the day ahead of us. Who has ever experienced that, right? When there's something you're going to face in that day, if you're truly walking with God and, and you're trusting God, then you're going to read a scripture in the morning. Some You don't even know it, but a couple of days ago, someone was praying for you who was supposed to call you and tell you, you know, and then they got nervous and they didn't. You know, but it doesn't matter. It happened. Then they tell you after. It would have been nice if they did it the day of. But you find out that the Lord had already been preparing the situation. He knew ahead of time what you were going to go through and was already there for you. Amen. The second thing is, how does God prepare us? It's very simple. I think you could just say this one statement. It would be enough. God uses life. That's how God does it. We expect God to do something supernatural because he is supernatural. So our expectation is that it's going to be like when He spoke into the earth and the earth it just existed, right? But that's not what God does. It's very, 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 very rare when you read the word that God just speaks and everything changes all at once. There are some very particular instances where Uh, God does change things completely supernatural and in an instant overnight. But for 99% of the biblical stories, there is a walking out that must happen. And so he uses the good, the bad, the ugly, the mountaintops, and the valley. He uses your family. He uses your job. He uses your surroundings. He uses your abilities. And all of this is swirling around you. It's all a part of you. If you try to take some of these things away, you are no longer you. You hear that? If you try to take... You try to like, well, I just need to get rid of this. I need to get rid of that. And maybe some things do need to go. But if you try to micromanage how God is actually working in you, right? You're trying to get rid of a person that irritates you in your life, but God's using that person to irritate you so that it becomes a pearl of great price. Wow. Right? Who has learned to deal with it, but it actually matured you? right? We love just God, just get rid of it. But when you can suffer through it, something actually grows. You actually become greater. So it's all being used by God, and God is fashioning you by living. All you need to do is wake up each day and live. You look at his word. What does his word say? You follow that. I'm not promising you a yellow brick road, and I'm not promising you it'll be easy, but I will promise you that God will use every situation in your life to fashion you into his image. We're learning during that about people. We're learning to love, and we're learning about hate. We're learning to be humble, and we're learning about people who are prideful. Right? All of that. You're watching someone else's pride, and it actually is not for you to judge them. It's for you to see, wow, you pray for them, but Lord, I don't want to be like that. And actually then, now you can, by looking at someone else's life, that you could just be like the world who just points their finger and judges. Now, the Lord is literally giving you a moving picture, a living example of the world, and then showing you what it is to be humble. And then you'll see someone humble and say, man, I, man, how is a person so humble? And now you realize pride in you. Isn't this incredible when you see how, what God is doing? So we see Joseph. He's, he's stuck. He could have been bitter. He could have been miserable. And it seems unfair. It seems like, man, why, 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 why? We want things instantly, but God is preparing us for what God is preparing for us. It took time to prepare Joseph to lead. There was maturity in there. There was character. Even practical things that I don't think about. He had to learn the Egyptian language in order to stand there and actually be the ruler. I and mean, we just don't think about these things. But the Lord literally put him in school. And he learned their culture. He learned their customs from the bottom to the top. He learned all about Egypt. He went from being a nobody Jewish boy to now knowing everything there was about Egypt. Wow, that sounds like the Lord was preparing him for an Egyptian position. And you're thinking, I'm a Jew, and I'm in Egypt. What do I need to know this for? Why do I need to go through this? How could this possibly benefit me to go through all of this? He's thinking, my dream is to have my brothers bow out to me. How is this going to further my dream? All this is doing is killing my dream. Isn't it incredible when you really look at his word, how relevant it is? We don't have time to get into a lot of it, but I'm just going to say this. The question is, I just want to, I'm going to go to this and then we'll look at some. It's the timing of the Lord. I'm going to finish with this. God's timing is God's timing. I want you to say that out loud. God's timing Is God's timing we may come to understand some of it but his timing is his timing and we won't ever understand it all we need to learn to be faithful during that's the meantime we need to learn to be faithful in the season we're in the Bible tells us you are not serving that boss you're not even loving your husband and wife you're not even raising these children, you are serving me. And when you serve me, then you'll be a good employee, a good husband, a good wife, a good father, a good friend. No matter what you're doing, imagine, picture, place yourself in the position that you're serving me. That will change everything, doesn't it? Completely changes everything. Waiting for something to be over to do the next thing is wasting life in between. I was thinking about this. Man, I just started to really think life just passes by. Whoever wishes for a season to be over to get to the next. Now you're in the next season, but you know what happened? Months, years are gone. You don't get them back. And what I'm really just realizing, especially the older I get, is to truly embrace even, like, I don't complain, I try, I mean to say I try cuz maybe I do sometimes. I try not to complain about hot days. I've told you guys this recently because what happens is if all I do is wish the hot days away so that I can get to the fall when it's more comfortable to work outside, before I know it, I'm blinking it's already winter time. So I just wish the summer away and now I'm freezing. See what happens? We need to learn to just let whatever's happening, God is God doesn't waste time, and all the seasons are for something. There is no waste. This is not a time where you just have to, like, we, we think of the times in between the mountaintops as like sitting on a shelf. And a lot of times people have talked, to, talked in ministry. I know this church is unaware, but, like, until God used you in ministry, you were, like, on a shelf. And it's just not true. God is fashioning and molding, all of it. There's so much happening in between, and it's all training for the next season. It may hinge on how we do in the next season of how we did in this one. And so just quickly, because I know we're running out of time here, um, there's valuable lessons to be learned. If you're just trying to get through it or get over uh, what God's training you, then... uh, and we rush it. We're, we can't rush. Which, are you ready for this? We can't rush what was not meant to be rushed. I was just asking this question: Why so long, God? Right? Why does it take months? Why does it take years? Why thirteen years? Why 20 years? And then instantly, because I'm just posing this question within my notes to to talk about with us, because I know that might be a question in your heart, right? Well, you're hearing this type of sermon. Well, okay, Lord, I get it, but why so long? And I heard we must ask the same question then about our school system. Why does a child have to go through all those years of school? Why does a child have to be raised by a parent for so long? Think about a child that thinks they're ready for the world at six, Or a nine-year-old that thinks they're old enough to drive a car. Right? Every nine-year-old, every, you know, within your capacity, your mind, at whatever age you're at, you think you're ready for anything. You obviously don't understand and you can't even be taught. We can't even, you say you're not ready, but it doesn't even make sense to you. You don't even have the mental capacity yet to understand. Now, as an adult, you know, we look back and we're like, man, it was so easy to be a child. But as a child, you're thinking this is unfair treatment, having to do all this homework, take all these tests. Meanwhile, they're being prepared for future responsibilities. And so sometimes we're asking God, to fast forward a season that we're in to try to get to the next one. And God's like, "Will you just slow down and let me build in you in this season because it's crucial that you get these things in your heart. It's crucial that I create a humbleness in you. We get pride out. I'm going to put these abilities in you, these skills in you. Maybe you're thinking, man, what am I doing with all these people? But I'm teaching you to deal with people so that in the next phase of your life, you'll you'll have more patience with people. And... You start to look at it differently. You start to look at it like this, and we're not just like, you know what it is? I've said it before. We're trained to get to summer vacation. Our minds have been trained since little children that you just have to suffer for a time, then you get to have summer off. We just get to suffer for five days, and we get to have two days off. And it's it's actually a bad mental training. That's not how God works. God is, you stick with me and let me train you until I say it's done. And when I say it's done, then you'll be ready. Wow, that's a lot different, isn't it? You guys have two minutes. If you need to go, that's okay. I just want to share this very last thought based, because it's hinged off of there. It won't make sense next week. The longer the training, the better the victory. The more pain, the better the reward. Martial arts, I was thinking, black belts, the military. Why such long, hard training? And you know, it's so simple. It's so simple. There's an enemy that is relentless. That enemy is relentless, and he is not going to give up. And the Lord wants us, you get to the place, the guys who become the black belts, the guys, the Navy SEALs, that maybe even in the beginning, they're like, I'm going to go, I'm gonna, I want to be the best because I want to be the best. But you know, that all goes away. By the time they get there, they don't care anymore, it, because it's who they are now. They can't help but just be the best, because it's it's just the person that they've been. They've been broken. They literally break you, so you don't care. But you have no other choice but to be. You end up being what you set out to be, but your heart is different. And and this is this is why I wanted to say this. I read a book about a man. He ended up becoming part of SEAL Team Six. The military denied it even existed until it started breaking. But back in the day, when he was in there, it didn't exist. There was only five SEAL teams. SEAL Team 6 was a a myth. But this guy was in it, and uh, he ended up giving his life. The book was, it's a memoir. He did give his life for uh, our country. And uh, his fellow soldiers got so angry at his death that they're the guys that went and caught Bin Laden. So it's kind of interesting how things... It, like, fueled them, and they went on a mission. They refused to go home until they caught him some months later. So some interesting things happen, you know. Someone gives their life. We don't understand it, but this is what happens. His wife goes through his things. She's going through his drawer, and she's pulling out award after award after award. Even his own wife, he didn't even tell her he got these medals. We're talking, like, serious awards and medals for, like, you know, you know, life-threatening bravery. And he just put them in a drawer and closed it away. Even his own, wa- his own wife didn't even know that he had done all these things uh, because he had gotten to a place where he said, I'm just doing my job. And that's really the place that God wants to get us to so that we're so broken, not broken and hurt, but broken in that you don't have desires, plans, purposes, nothing really can can hurt you or fail you. You have one desire, which is to serve God and please God, which means you're going to have good times, bad times, hard times, all of it, but you know that he's faithful. Come on, let's go back to it right here, and I'm finishing, right? He's going to finish it. If he's going to finish it, then that means that what I'm going through must be on purpose and for a reason. Let's let God use this time to grow me further situation Give more glory to Him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord God. We just praise You. We give You glory. I give You honor, and I thank You, Lord, that Your Word is life. This is a living seed within us, and I pray that it would sprout into fruit, Lord, from our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.